Basketball internationally is on the rise. We have stars like Luka Doncic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Nikola Jokic, and more taking over the NBA. Ben Uzo, who is Nigerian, has played several professional seasons in the NBA and overseas and talks about his journey on getting to the league and the start of the new NBA Basketball African League. The league in its first season has featured several professional players and Grammy Award winning artist J. Cole. This league can also potentially produce our next NBA superstar. Get ready for another episode of the Hidden Gems Podcast, the place that leaves you with the gym after every episode. Yeah, appreciate y'all having me, man. Just getting right to it, man. So, you know, just your journey. You played at Tulsa, you know, you went undrafted, and then immediately you went into a situation with the New Jersey Nets. How was your draft experience? You know, after the draft, a lot of people don't realize that you get that call immediately. So there's really no time for you to just kind of like be down on yourself. So how did that work? Yeah, like you said, there's no time to kind of be down on yourself. And, uh, you know, throughout that day, I remember uh, just, you know, fielding calls from my agent from teams that I hadn't worked out with before. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to, they were promising me that they were drafting. And I was, uh, at the time, second round of likely being undrafted. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my agent was like, Ben, you know, if you go to one of these teams that, that never really seen you play, they just see a list coming out that you're rising up there's likely they're going to send your rights overseas and you'll never play in the NBA uh, again or ever. And so uh, he's just, he, he guided me to say, take my chances of getting undrafted or, or just, you know, in free agency. So when the, when 60 picks go by that night, later that night, um, you know, I didn't get hear my name called. I had two opportunities, one with the Nets and one with the, uh, the, uh, the Rockets uh, mm-hmm. to be their starting point guard in summer league. And to kind of just rock out. And so I took the the Nets opportunity, even though the Rockets offered me a little bit more money. Uh, I took the Nets opportunity because Avery Johnson was, a, he was the head coach uh, mm-hmm. of the Nets at that time. And he came in the back door as if I was just like I was trying to. So, uh, you know, I bought his book. <laughs> I was trying to learn everything I could about him. Uh, and just being me, you know, being a four-year senior, I, I bought a lot of the tangibles to the game that, that he could see and he would pick up on because he did four years as well you get Mm -hmm. what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so i became more of a student of the game very early on and kind of just had a good decent enough summer league and and went into uh to rookie camp and was kicking butt all the open gyms all the the vet workouts and uh just took care of business and had a little luck on my side yeah right what you got bro nah you know it's, it's it's crazy uh we were just touching on it before. I actually met Ben in 2005 when he was uh, on a visit to Oklahoma. So, I, you know, I've got to follow his career um, from the start to where you're, where you're at now. Um, and that's something we kind of want to talk about. This past year, uh, you played in Africa. Um, this is, you know, this league that's been put on by the NBA. Um, yeah. I know Jordan had an opportunity. I kind of have a question for both of y'all. Jordan had an opportunity to go play in Africa years ago. Um, but he turned it down um, because of the exposure. You know, you're not probably not thinking he's going to get the most exposure. But this yeah. year, um, can you kind of talk about how that, that league came about? Yeah, you know, behind the scenes, me doing different things on the NBA, MVPA side, I, I got with that, the you know, NBA was wanting to uh, bridge the gap of the players that were, you know, leaving Africa early, uh, whether they it was illegal or legal, you know what I mean? Uh, from mm-hmm. high school ranks to college ranks to pursue their dreams and pursue their goals. 
of just, you know, providing not only for themselves, but for their families. So the NBA was always had this uh, incubator program and systems where they're building NBA academies in Africa. They're starting grassroots programs and all over all different parts of the, uh, the globe. And a big part of that was in Africa. The biggest investment was in Africa. There's like two or three academies in Africa alone. And, you know, you have untapped potential. So, you know, you got different guys like Joel Embiid and Giannis, Giannis, you know, Greek Creek, they're coming out of Africa and they're learning the game late. And you see this great rise to stardom like those two guys have shown. Uh, so they, there's an infrastructure in place now with this league, this BAL league, that's going to give guys an opportunity to be seen, to be discovered, and not only to, not only that, but to, to provide for their families. And then, you know, you, you, know you, you talk about basketball, but you talk about the, the media that surrounds basketball and the, the jobs that are now being created uh, with, this, with this infrastructure in place. So it's, it's a legit opportunity. It's a legit league, and you know I'm, I'm thankful and honored to kind of like be a part of it in the in the way that I've I've been. Yeah, just to piggyback a little bit, you know, just about basketball in Africa. You know, even my situation. You know, I played overseas for eight years, and I got an opportunity, an offer that came up for me to go play in Angola, Africa. And you know, the issue was for me, and it was an easy decision for me to say no, is that I would look at uh, Eurobasket. That's where all the overseas players look up their stats. There was no stats on basketball in Africa out there. I looked up on YouTube too. You know, there was no coverage of basketball in Africa. And that, that would that was been a big issue, you know, for basketball out there is that it was unknown. Like people thought that if you played in Africa before, you weren't going to be able to get picked up, you know, somewhere else, like with another team, like Europe wouldn't respect it. Even Asia probably wouldn't respect the league. So it was an easy decision for me to say no. But, you know, now we're in a situation with this BAL and the coverage that they're starting to put on, you know, for players. I'm, I'm excited about it, you know, because now it gives more opportunity for import American players and other players in Europe to get dis get discovered and also have a job, get money on time, you know, just those different situations. How do you, how do you feel about that? You know, uh, you know, with all those things being said, I mean, because everything that you said is at the bare minimum of what we want as professionals to be treated as a professional. Yep. You want, you want the respect and, you know, maybe not, it, it may have not been able to be viewed as a respectable type of situation, you know, 10 years ago or a couple yeah. of years ago when you were offered an opportunity to go play. Mm -hmm. um, but now the light, the right light is being shed on Africa yep. in the right way. Um, and, you know, me being a part of it, it, it gives it a, even more credibility. There's certain yeah. pros who played high-level D1. They played in the BAL as well, and their experience was probably just as good, if not better, than mine. And so it gives it a greater light and a greater respect and a greater credibility going forward. And then, uh, you know, you talk about the bare minimum, like you said, again, being paid on time. Yeah. Uh, there's places in Europe where they don't get paid on time. Yep. Well, being in the NBA, Ray, you can attest to this. You get over, you get, you get, you get paid the first, sometimes the 31st. So you get paid early and then your gear is top of the line. You got extra jerseys, extra socks, extra arm sleeves, headbands, you name it. Yeah. All of that was in play and on display this first inaugural season in, in Africa. You got guys that, you know, they probably didn't play in, in certain situations that were as 
you know, luxurious as the hotel that we they put us up in or the type of gear that we were getting. And they their you know, their first time in Africa, they can now say this probably was better than any other place that they played professionally. Just from the the, the, the two weeks or the two, three weeks that the bubble went on. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's a legitimate situation going forward. The product is going to rival a lot of uh, products all over Europe. And then again, you know, me being Nigerian and me being, um, you know, woke in this day and age, it's something that we can call ours. You get what I'm saying? Definitely. Yeah. So it's, it's a beautiful thing all the way around uh, to kind of witness and be a part of. Yeah. So, so, so you're saying that they, you got gear, you know, it's pretty much similar to NBA situation because you play NBA. Gear was good. The, the place of living was amazing, getting paid on time. What other elements, you know, to it has been better about, better than, you know, Europe or Asia, you know, I in think, a sense. I think in this situation, I think if you understand what happened this past year, a lot of leagues were pushed back. Mm -hmm. They were canceled. Uh, they had to change venues. They had to really renovate or do things over. You know, they had a lot of plan Bs, plan Cs that they had to execute. So when you talk about a bubble situation for the, the NBA, uh, season before last and the way they had to kind of put everything in Orlando and do everything out of like convention centers and in their weight rooms. Our infrastructure was set up exactly like that in Africa though. Our, we, our practice courts were just like the ones that they were practicing on in the NBA. Our game court arena was, was even better than what they were practicing in the NBA. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was, it was, it was run identically. It ran parallel with what they the plan B and plan C that they had to execute for LeBron James <laughs> or Kyrie or KD. And so you got guys who, you know, they don't come from a well-endowed situation on the, on, on the continent of Africa. This is their first time seeing something like this. So they're just blown away. You get what I'm saying? And, yeah. you know, anything that the NBA puts their hands on or wants to do, they're going to do it with the best of the best. You know, yeah, they have so many different partnerships and relationships to get so many things done in a timely and orderly and the utmost professional fashion. I'm going to let you go next, Ray. But so you talk about the partnerships. They're partnering with, you know, Coca-Cola. They had what? No, Pepsi. Sorry about that. Partnered by Pepsi, yeah. you know, Jordan brand, uh, Nike. So you guys were getting shoes, like food. How was the food situation? Were you guys like getting like, drinks and stuff, all that different situation. Cause just, I'm just asking you that. Cause those are small things that I look for in Europe. You know, that that's, that's a little small things that probably the NBA provides in the BAL that's different from, you know, where we come from and playing overseas. No doubt. And it, 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 we, everything was top of the line. You know, we had three meals a day. We, we, we had COVID testing every day. Um, we had an app on our phones where we had to sign in and do questionnaires. We had team meetings, we had individual meetings. Um, so the same thing that like the liaisons that every team had a, their own liaison, it was, it was ran parallel to the NBA. So there was no room for, um, things to go undiagnosed or unchecked or unresolved. If there was an issue, you had a team liaison that can now, or you could tell your coach, you would tell the team liaison to now be able to, uh, you know, address the, uh, the problem at hand. You get what I'm saying? Um, so it was just above and beyond. In that time frame, just it was it was very very professional. It was very very professionally ran. 
So, so like moving forward with the BAL, uh, this past year, for the people who don't know, it was a shortened season. Yeah. Hasn't, you know, so how, how do you think they'll do it moving forward? Like this year, are you, would you, would you plan to go back and play in it? Is it going to be a full season or, or do they know yet? From what I'm hearing, it's, it's going to be October to May. And I wow. just recently heard that yesterday. And so October is around the corner. And so I don't know how much truth that it, there is to that. So I'm going to do my due diligence and talk to some people uh, and try to find out. But the opportunity to go play in it, it's a no-brainer for me. Um, if, if the right situation, you know, obviously in terms that uh, meet my terms, if the team meets my terms, I, I go play in it. You know, my yeah. heart and my heart, my pride in my heart is, is, is on the continent. It's a, my national team. And, uh, you know, there's certain things that I'm just, you know, I'm really just really uh, giving back on, you know, giving yeah. back and just providing a, a light, so to speak, for like my future brothers that don't know who I am, I've never met. But, you know, every time I go to Nigeria, I get, you know, I get an opportunity to meet somebody new who's uh, who look who either looked up to me or they looked up to somebody that I know. And, and it's just a, it's dope to have to see a younger me that, you know, like they have something to look forward to within their grips, within their their vision. You get what I'm saying? They don't have yeah. to go too far. They don't got to go to college over in the States to just mm-hmm. go. You know what I mean? They don't have to go and and email or mail or, or send a Facebook message to to get sponsored to come over to the States. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, I, I could do and give back with everything that, you know, I've built on and the credibility that I have. It's a no brainer because it's bigger than it's bigger than it's bigger than basketball. It's bigger than me at this point. Yeah. Me, me and Ray were talking about this, you know, just about not even just for Americans, like you said, just going back to the players in Africa. Uh, it's been a big thing that's been happening, you know, for years is that a lot of players in African descent are playing in like France and Spain and other spots and they don't have a place, you know, where they can just be at and just play. And I think that's what the BAL is starting to provide, you know, that's why you see, you know, guys like Serge Ibaka or, you know, this man Usman who just played on Real Madrid. You're like, yo, like, He's Spanish, like, you know, like he's French, like you start questioning those things, but you know, they're doing that because they got to go out there and have a better provide for their family, you know, and now with the BAL, you know, that changes that for them. They can stay at home and be in their environment and be able to, to play. And I think that's really cool that the NBA is doing that. Cause I know they were doing basketball without borders before that's where the Joel and beats came from, but now they have an actual league with coverage where they could get seen and discovered, which is dope. Exactly. I mean, I think I think it's just it's just it's a it's a no brainer. Like if you slow down where most black people in the world come from, where they come from. Yeah. Regardless of where they're born, regardless of what jersey they're on, you know, they're wearing like even, you know, Giannis, people think he's just Greek. Mm-hmm. The, the kid is full blown Nigerian. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you get what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. His situation was so dire they had to get out of Nigeria at a very early age. They were able to, to make it to Greece. They didn't have no papers. You get what I'm saying? They didn't write a, had a right documentation, but just so have you, God made it work out for them. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So now he, he rises to this star. Now you can tell his story on his journey, just like Serge Ibaka, he has a journey. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, various guys, you can name it, various guys like you you mentioned, they, they're from, you know, descendants of Africa, but they may have to go get it done or make ends meet in France. So they're able to get dual citizenship and, and kind of just make it work like that. But, but mm-hmm. 
again, like the infrastructure, like you mentioned, the basketball within borders, uh, the NBA academies, they're happening not only in Africa, they happen all over the world, yeah. in Mexico, in uh, India, in the Philippines, in China. It's, it's, it's happening all over. Basketball is truly global and the NBA has their hand on it. Yeah. Ray, you got something? Yeah, I mean, what I like is my first time, you know, experience overseas, I was in Spain and I had uh, an African teammate and then I had, you know, some of the kids they had, they call it like the junior school. They put these kids they, in the school and they teach them basketball and they go to school over there. And they're explaining to me, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, maybe after like three or four years of going to school and playing over there, you get the, uh, the passport. So they become Spanish. They have the Spanish nationality. And what I see is, okay, they go over to Africa, they get these kids, they get them out of a, a bad situation and bring them over to a better situation. And then they, you know, the fact that, okay, they're going to be tall, athletic, they, they groom them to be basketball players. And when it's time for them to, to, to reach that level and they might have an NBA opportunity, then they get that buyout. And then that team, you're really kind of making money off the kid. So with the BAA, I like, because I think the NBA recognizes that as well. And then, you know, it gives these kids the opportunity to stay home and, you know, maybe have a better chance to make it from there and go directly. But is there like an age limit that they have? in terms of like how old you have to be for the kids or like, how does that work? Do you think they'll start like with junior kids and then work it up? Man, I really think they identify talent. If you're talented enough, it doesn't matter how, how young or how old you are. And I think that's with, with a lot of leagues all over the world. If you could play, they want to, they want to see you. It's a better story. It's a better product. And, you know, to, to, to backtrack it a little bit, that's very true on how you're saying that, you know, other countries can make money off a certain kid and he makes all the way. There's this big buyout. Don't think the NBA is no money in it for them. It's, there's a lot of money in it for them, but they're just giving the infrastructure. They're, they're one of the biggest players in the world to be able to lay out this kind of infrastructure. Um, but it, it's going to be, it's more beneficial in the way uh, it's going to directly help more kids. Not every kid that plays in the BAL is going to make it to the NBA. But there are going to be some that do, and it's going to be the same situation that you're talking about where they make it, they're good enough, and there's going to be a, a unique situation where, well, we have these guys' rights, and if you want them, you, just, you know what I mean? The negotiation begins. But most kids are going to be able, and most parents, they're going to be able to now have, a, you know, something to look forward to, something to shoot forward to, a goal earlier uh, that's never been done in a, in a country that's main sport is soccer basketball is going to quickly rival and it's growing more and more um as you see on the continent and it, yeah. it's it's helpful that the kids that grow up like myself and and other guys that are on a national team and other guys that represent various african countries they're we're making our way in the nba year in yeah. year out you know what i mean and it, it's and it's undeniable it's evident you know last year's draft we had there was like eight or nine Nigerian guys that, that, that got drafted. And that was the most in NBA history or in draft history. And, and this year, there's another handful of not only Nigerian guys, but guys of African descent. And so it's, it's only, it's only, the ball is only going to continue to gain momentum. You know what I mean? For sure. And uh, it's dope to see that it's running parallel with the steps that are being taken and made on the continent as well. Yeah. Yo, while we're on BA, uh, I wanted to ask, you know, J. Cole played in the league, uh, you know, just the exposure that he brought, you know, with him doing the full grind. Uh, wanted to ask you about, you know, the comment about Terrell. I think it got misconstrued because 
you know, a lot of times the media, they want the story. So as you can see with the video, it got cut short, really, you know, so there wasn't really an opportunity for him to really say the positives of what J. Cole brought to the league. It was just a quick segment, then it cut off, you know, and it just ran with the disrespectful part. How did you feel about the, the J. Cole situation with him playing and what it did for the league in terms of exposure point to bring more exposure to that league and help, you know, more athletes get that exposure? Man, uh, first and foremost, shout out to Terrell Stogan. He he did a great job of bringing uh, a light, a different light, and you know his his dynamic ability to the league and, and to everything that's going on. I think uh, I think you're right with his his comments. He probably wasn't able to to speak on it or hear his complete uh, edit uh, entirely. But uh, he you know he he carries a perspective that you know a lot of people may share. So uh, sh shout out to him. But but in regards to what J. Cole was able to bring, uh, I mean, he's, it's a business. You know, basketball is a business. And in, the, in today's evolving business, you know, you combine hip hop and, and, and sports. Mm -hmm. In every league and every facet, you got a, a rapper that's got a favorite team, or you got a, a rapper that wants to play football, a rapper that wants to play basketball, or, or some kind of artist that wants to, cross over and support um, their favorite sport. Mm -hmm. And so it's always, it's always been done. And you take it back to like in the, in the early 2000s when Master P, he was, a, you know, he, he came on and had a couple of 10 days with the Toronto Raptors and the Toronto Raptors were trying to grow the game in Canada. The NBA was trying to grow the game more and get more views and eyes and, 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 and get the basketball brand and the NBA brand growing in Canada. And they use Master P to help push that genre and that narrative forward. Mm -hmm. And uh, th I think J. Cole brought that, the eyes, the likeness, the views uh, to the BAL. And I think he's, he's, he's another woke guy. And I think he probably was the best person to kind of be able to do this. You know, he, he also has a basketball history, a basketball background. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have their comments, but bro, I've seen it you know, even behind the scenes, he really dedicated to the game, man. He be in the lab, like even more than people see on Instagram and stuff. And honestly, that's because that's bringing exposure to others. He honestly will be in the lab, even if it wasn't no cameras involved and really dedicated to the game. That's why I really respect it, you know, cause he, he really someone that you can tell loves the game and, you know, for him to come out there in the mix of doing his album and all those different elements, you know, I felt like it was big time because I want to see this game grow and I want, more, you know, especially imports and African players to get more exposure and get a better situation. You know, a lot of times overseas, like we talked about before, you don't get paid on time. You know, I mean, in Japan, I had a situation we got paid on time and and uh, I'm like, dang, like I'm, I'm kind of forgetting what this feel like getting paid on time. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you know, I want that for everybody. And I'm glad that J. Cole was able to bring that element to the game to where we can get more sponsors, get more money to that league to where more people get exposure. Right, yeah, exactly. I mean, you couldn't have said it any better. He was he just, he did all of that with just a, a couple of days and a couple of games that he played in. Good, yeah. bad, and indifferent. You know, yeah. people wasn't gonna talk about it. The, the, there was a buzz in the air, there was eyes on it. So it was really um, beneficial for both sides. I think he had a, he had a lot of fun too. Yeah. Um, you know, last couple of questions I wanted to ask you about, you know, you played in Nigeria just recently. Nigeria made a lot of noise 
They have a lot. First off, a lot of people don't realize how many African, I mean, Nigerian players that there are in the NBA. We got pre- even on Miami Heat last year, we had like Precious, Victor Oladipo, man, yep. uh, Giannis is in the in, in there. You know, a lot of different names that, that are Nigerian. Gabe Vincent, another guy, yep. you know, doing his thing. How do you feel like basketball in Nigeria is starting to grow? I think now people are starting to get more comfortable possibly even playing on the Nigerian team after them, you know, making the noise that they did, you know, even before the whole Olympics. Man, again, I I take it back to, um, you know, guys that you named, them them making their staple and their name in the NBA, it brings more credibility to where Mm -hmm. you're able to trace it back. So, oh, where are they from? Yep. In, the, in the same manner that you're able to trace back where Tony Parker's from, he's from France. Where Manu, jo- where Manu Ginobili was from, well, he's from Argentina. And then mm-hmm. you're able to say, like, man, how many, how many NBA players are, in fr- mm-hmm. are from France that are in the NBA? How many NBA players are from Argentina that are in the NBA? You're able to make the same relation and connection with African players. And it's, it's dope to see it kind of happening because, you know, you almost, like, for me, I almost feel like I, I was... I'm, before, I'm well ahead of my time. You know, I played in the NBA in 2012. That's that's almost 10 years ago. And and I'm Nigerian and I'm a point guard. And I did a lot of things that, you know, I, I guess I'm, I don't know if it's coming back full circle now, but it's just dope to see that um, the connection and is being made right now. Because at one point it's almost like, damn, do they see us? Do they know that we got football players in the NFL? We got not only basketball players, but we got – we thrive in a lot of various, uh, you know, uh, lanes. So it's, it's just dope to see it happening right now. Yeah, uh, for sure. And then also you look at this summer, even though they want to say it was a practice game or whatever, I mean, what you guys did beating Team USA, I think that that opened a lot of people's eyes too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which you guys have always been able to hoop. It's not like, you know, it just, just happened. You guys can play. You know what I mean? No, I, go ahead. No, no, no. You're good. You got it. You got it. <laughs> It, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's dope because everything that you're saying, it's like the barbershop talk, you know what I mean? Like yeah. even amongst, you know, my, my girlfriend or my, my boys that I talk to, um, they say the same thing, man, it was just a practice game. And, you know, you got, you got fellow Nigerians that say, man, they fu- we, we, that was huge. We know how big it, it is for the continent. For sure. Not on, yeah. not let alone the country, the continent for yeah. like black people. You get what I'm saying? Like, exactly. it's huge. Because it bridges a gap to where, like, okay, we want respect too. We Ben could play. Like, sure. we don't have a Le- we don't have a LeBron James, but we don't know the future. You know what I mean? And yeah. but we do we do have a product that we 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 that's well respected. You know, there's blood, sweat, and tears in it. The same way, you know, guys, you know, prepare in other countries. And so I think the biggest thing is just respect. You ain't gotta like sure. my game. <laughs> you ain't gotta like my yeah. game. But you know, we, we got guys that can really play in, in that game, practice, uh, 10 minutes, three quarters, whatever you want to call it. Um, we were able to kind of get it done. And there was a big shift in the in, in the sense of uh that 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 respect barometer all over the world. But I think it's you know, again, we, we got a ways to go, but you know, it's a start. It's a start. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, last couple, last, uh, we're going to go through this little hidden gym segment that we have, you know, Ben, I'm telling you right now, we want you on, on this show again, because a lot of elements that you bring and a lot of insight that you have 
and just your wisdom, bro. Like I've always respected it. You know, we had to talk before and like I left the situation where I was like, dang, like, man, this dude has a lot of insight that he can bring, you know, especially for a lot of people out there to, you know, kind of learn this, this game and where it can head to, you know, especially for a lot of kids too, that are in Africa that have that get a chance to get an opportunity and you just laying out the Nigerian, you know, them winning that game and what it meant, like those different things like need to be heard and, and said. So, you know, I appreciate you, but you know, when we, we head into the hidden gems question, um, what is a hidden gem that you would give to a player, you know, that's going in their first year of overseas? Man, uh, a hidden gem that I give to a player uh, is, uh, man, there's there's different things that, there's different things that I remember not knowing that I wish I had known after the fact, mm -hmm. as far as being uh, more of a people person. I think there's this connotation just coming from uh, another country, whether it's America to France or Nigeria to Spain, you know, there's a, there's, there's nonverbal cultural differences that you really got to embrace. You got to embrace in life, but it's really different when you're trying to do it in a competitive team format. You know what I mean? Um, so be aware as best as possible. If, if I'm talking to a younger me, be as aware as best as possible to try to uh, embrace that, uh, that energy because it, it's something that you don't want to be dismissive with. And then try to learn the language. Um, try to try to be warm and, and, and welcoming, let alone like I'm gonna go get this 30 tonight. Or I, if I don't get this 15, my agent said they going nah, try to enjoy the moment, be in the moment, but try to like make it uh not just about you. Oh, those are those are the things that I'd say first and foremost to like any young kid trying to go over uh the waters for their first experience. Man, I gotta add on to that, bro. Pete, look. With the learning the language, your teammates and even the people in the city, they love you when you try to speak their <laughs> language, even, bro. Oh, exactly. That is like a big gym, bro. You start speaking their language and learning it, bro. You're going to get so much respect and love off of doing that. Like, that's a simple thing, but a lot of people do not do it. Like, yeah. even you just trying shows a lot, man. Like, you doing sure. that, like, uh, that, that's a real hidden gym right there, for sure. For sure. Uh, Yep. And then last hidden gem is, you know, a lot of kids, you know, went undrafted, you know, in this NBA draft. I wanted to get your hidden gem on, you know, how they can go, go, you know, with their experience. You know, you got an opportunity with the New Jersey Nets after, mm -hmm. you know, you signed after going undrafted. What's the hidden gem you can give to those undrafted guys out there? Man, uh, there's a there's a huge um, there's a huge chip on your shoulder that I'm sure most undrafted guys know they got to carry. But man, don't let anyone outwork you in this process. Um, I remember I remember knowing potentially that I would be going undrafted and just pre prepping for like Portsmouth and prepping for like, all right, I'm gonna try to get in the Chicago pre-draft. And obviously the, the formats change, you know, you got a G League draft, you got, you got so many different uh, opportunities of exposure prior to like summer league and, you know, I remember just telling myself, I'm not letting anybody outwork me. You know what I mean? And my mentality was so locked in. So that's one element that I'd say. And then when you do get the opportunity to, uh, to like rest and recover, take advantage of that, you know, because you're going to be flying the most you've ever flown. You're going to be training the hardest and losing nutrients and losing a lot of like 
you know, blood, sweat, and tears through this rigorous grind. So the, you got to learn to take care of your body in a different way, in a different uh, mindset of, of doing that. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I, even at 33, I'm still like, I can operate off five hours of sleep. Most most people, they can't, you know? So you may have to, you may have to focus in on sleep and, and, and doing di- things differently from, from that standpoint to make sure your body and your mind are in tip top. But the chip on your shoulder and, and don't and and don't let anybody outwork you. You can have you do those two things, you, you'll have no regrets whether you your name gets called or you make this you make this training camp roster or, or whatever the case may be. You get what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate you, bro. Ben, Ben's gonna be a great coach, man. When it when you whenever you decide to stop hooping, you got a coach, bro. He's got man, too I much knowledge and wisdom of the game. Man, I don't even I, I've done I've done a little stuff on the side on the coaching end of it. I don't I don't know if it's something that um you know I'm ready to do right now, but I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, for I sure. Pre- we'll yeah. see. Nah, nah, you got more years to hoop, but whenever you're done hooping. Yeah, that's the sure. plan. Yeah, right, yeah. for sure. Appreciate it. Man, I'm telling you right now, there's going to be more times we need you on the show, bro. Like, what you bring to the table is dope, man. And just, you know, you're very articulate, man. Keep that up. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm, I'm glad that we were giving you an opportunity to tell a story. And hopefully someone else, you know, brings you in and to talk about, you know, your story and, and other situations like that, man. Because you got a lot that to bring to the table. And I appreciate you for taking the time. No, I appreciate y'all, man. No doubt, appreciate the platform, man. Y'all doing a great job with putting everything together, highlights, giving guys a chance to to tell their stories and and just connecting with this new day and age of of how people want to be seen. So appreciate y'all for the platform. Yes, sir, buddy. All right, my guy. Appreciate you, buddy.